Scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from one of the final chapters in St. Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome, the 14th chapter, beginning with verse 19. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. I was sitting in the living room of a pastor, a friend of mine, years ago, and um, suddenly there was a knock at the door. His wife came across the living room to answer the door, and it was a young lady from his church and her two little children that were with her, and apparently they were brand new members of the church. And I noticed that the pastor I was talking to suddenly took his can of beer and stuck it down under his chair as the mother and her two kids came into the house to talk and he greeted them and so on. And after they left, I said, why did you put your beer under the chair? And he said, well, they're brand new members of our church. They're new Christians. and..." And uh, I just wasn't sure if this might offend them and possibly the children, so I just thought maybe it was better for me at that time to put my beer down under the chair. His concern for, that, for them was not, he didn't want to possibly offend them in their faith and maybe, maybe send a message to them that might confuse them a little bit and so on. St. Paul is addressing these types of issues for us when he's writing to the Romans. And uh, in this 14th chapter, he gets into the, the discussion of how those who might be stronger in their faith in Christ uh, deal with those who maybe are not quite as strong in that faith or maybe new to the faith. And in his case, he uses some particular instruction regarding food. And this may seem surprising to us. What's the issue with food? We, we know that the Roman congregation was a, a very strong church, maybe not very large at this time, but a very strong congregation possibly made up of both converted Jews and Gentiles. And um, you can tell by the, the content, the doctrinal content of Paul's letter to the Romans uh, that they were well trained in the faith and knew the faith very well. But it's possible that in that congregation there were some converted Jewish people who still had uh, kind of leftover vestiges of, of how they were to treat certain foods in the Old Testament era and certain things that were fit, forbidden for them. Or it's also possible that some of the converts from the community who had been Gentiles were maybe part of pagan religions and uh, had been involved in, for instance, there was a big cult in Rome called Mithraism. And the cult of Mithraism was uh, known for slaughtering big bulls at their, and people would bathe themselves in the blood of the bull. and. Uh, some of that meat would then be sold out on the streets. And it could be that, that some of these converted people felt that maybe it was wrong now to, to buy that food and feel like you're kind of supporting this idol worship. So the issue of food was apparently something that, that Paul felt he needed to address in the congregation. And what he's basically saying is this, that a strong Christian may know that he or she has the right to do certain things that God has not forbidden from them, 
But we also have to be careful not to use that freedom and that right that we have in a way that might mislead or possibly um, cause a brand new Christian to stray, maybe in a way that would harm them in their faith, or maybe even get them to do something that would be against their own conscience. So he's really telling us to use the freedom you have as a believer in Christ in a way to build up a fellow believer. In fact, he uses the word for building a house. It's a Greek word, oikodomeo. Uh, you see the word dom domestic in it, um, your, your domicile, where you live, your home, and uh, a, a house that you live in. So he's saying, use the freedom you have as a Christian on various issues in a way that builds up, builds a house, if you will, a spiritual house for the people that you, you are thoughtful of in your congregation, rather than using your freedom in a way that might cause someone to be misled in his or her faith. Now, we need to be very clear. When God in his word has spoken on a particular issue, that is his word and command that we, must, we need to listen to and to follow. And we must stay within the parameters of what his word clearly teaches. Jesus himself says to his followers, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He tells those who teach and preach in his church, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. Okay, so Christians are not to look at doctrine and the word of God kind of like a, a, um, a smorgasbord where you can pick and choose what you like. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. So freedom does not include throwing out things that God himself has very clearly set down before us. And so when and where God has given us a command, we need to follow that. And we certainly at the same time have freedom um, where he does give a command. Where he doesn't give a command, then we do have freedom, but we must use it in a way that is edifying. Look what Paul says. Pursue the things which make for peace. Pursue the things, in other words, that, that tend to help other people in your congregation um, grow in the knowledge of Christ and of his grace. A great commentator by the name of Martin Franzman put it this way. The God of peace who gave to men their prince of peace, that's Christ, wants peacemakers for his sons. Jesus Christ himself builds up his church. He builds us into a holy temple. He has constructed us by sending his Holy Spirit into our hearts to bring us to faith in him, cause us to repent of our sins and learn of his wonderful grace toward us. And he also uses he uses the members of his church to build each other up and to work toward a mutual edification in the gospel. And so the final issue, really, from God's perspective for us on this is the love for the individual souls around us. How will I act and speak and do things in a way, even, even things with my freedom, but how will I do that in a way that will help other people to know Christ and to want to stay with him? St. Paul reminds us throughout the book of Romans that the entire Christian faith is built around the concept of peace. It's the very heart and core of what this faith is all about. It's built around the peace that Christ has come into this world to win for us. And so the Holy Spirit delivers to you and me an objective peace. It's something that's already been established for you outside of yourself by the work of your Savior when he died on the cross to take away your sins, and when he lived a perfect life in your place. 
So the peace that you have between you and God is something that already exists. Even, even if you don't believe it, it's a peace that exists. God wants us to believe it. St. Paul says that having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We benefit from that peace that God establishes through Christ simply through that gift of faith in our hearts, trusting in Christ. So that peace, you need to know, is secure for you. It is irrevocable. God himself has done it for you. It's an objective peace. But it's also a subjective peace in this way, that God, through the means of grace, through baptism, the Lord's Supper and his word, the words of absolution, comes to you with that peace and puts it into your heart. In fact, he touches your tongue with it in the Lord's Supper. He wants you to know specifically that that peace was just for you so that you could know that you have eternal life. And so Paul is saying to those of us who who know this and have been blessed with this, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let this be the thing that rules in your heart when it comes to dealing with one another. As John Chrysostom once said, one of the great ancient preachers in the church, without peace, it is impossible to edify anyone. Years ago when my wife and I bought our first house, uh, we needed to fix up a room in the basement and there was an older man in the congregation who was a very gifted carpenter and now retired. But boy, he was a tremendous worker. And he came to our house to help me with this project and it was really fun to work alongside somebody who really knew what they were doing when it came to construction and building. And in the church of God as well, there are some who just are really good at edifying one another, who are really good at, at, at taking that same wonderful peace we have from Christ and spreading it out to others and, and letting them know about that. But don't underestimate how God may use you as his hammer and tools and screwdriver and nails and boards to build up and edify this wonderful church that we are privileged to be a part of. And may we always then keep in, keep in mind the final eternal goal of the church, and that is to enter perfect joy. Amen. Please rise for prayer. I invite you to take your hymn book out and turn with me to page 162. Page 162. And you will find their prayer or collect number 115. The word collect was used to describe how the prayers of the believers were collected together to pray. Collect number 115. Let's join our hearts and voices together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we beseech you so to guide and direct us by your Holy Spirit that we may not exalt ourselves but humbly fear you with our whole hearts, hear and keep your word, and keep the day of rest holy that we also may be sanctified by your word. Help us first to place our hope and confidence in your Son, Jesus Christ, who alone is our righteousness and Redeemer, and then so to amend and better our lives in accordance with your word, that we may avoid all offenses and finally obtain eternal salvation. Through your grace in Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.